So our text for this morning's meditation is from Acts chapter 20, these words, For I did not shrink, I did not shrink from declaring to you the full counsel of God. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, all three, all three of our readings for this morning, all three of our readings and the psalm that is the introit address this idea. This idea of our text, the idea of the full counsel of God. Now our text from the book of Acts, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the full counsel of God, comes from the Apostle Paul's meeting with the elders of Ephesus, his last meeting with them as he was passing by, close by to Ephesus, while he was journeying to Jerusalem. It's in this meeting with the elders of the church of Ephesus held off-site, we would say, today. And Paul reminds them that he has always preached to them the full counsel of God, not just the counsel of God that the Ephesian Christians wanted to hear. The Old Testament reading from the book of Jeremiah, the text describes how in Jeremiah's time all sorts of things were being said about God, things that simply weren't true. But they were asserted to be true, asserted to be true by false prophets, false preachers. And it's just such false preachers about which Jesus Christ, our Savior, warns us in the gospel reading. Preachers who would appear after his ascension into heaven and preach again what people wanted to hear, but not, not the full counsel of God. It is admittedly, in our sinful state and our position in the world and our homes and families and businesses. It's it's in our weakness, our sinful weakness, that we, we tend also not to want to hear the full counsel of God, but to pick and to choose what we want to hear about God and then go and find someone who will say those things things we want to hear to us. Now, I was thinking along these lines in a restaurant in Texas a few weeks ago. Looking at the plate of food our grandson had ordered, something called chicken fried chicken. Never heard of that before, chicken fried chicken. It was a special of the day. It was not expensive. We had no idea what he would get, but what arrived at the table really blew us away. A plate full of chicken, chicken fried chicken, and fries. The pieces being so big, his order alone could have fed all of us and the people at the table next to us. But we didn't know. We didn't know that there'd be so much food be so much there. But that's the way it used to be at restaurants, right? I mean, we'd go and order something off the menu, no picture, just the words, and something put together by the chef and the manager, and when the order arrived at the table, there'd be so much food. So what would we do? Well, we'd eat it. We'd eat all of it and roll home. Well, then came fast food, 
and the ability to order individual items on a menu, constructing our own meal. And then came the ability as fast food places even to modify the, the items that we were ordering. Hold this. Add that. We order and we receive exactly what we want from a menu prepared how we want it. Now, have you ever tried to order a cup of coffee at Starbucks lately? I find myself having no understanding at all of the jargon, the coffee house jargon used by the people in line in front of me to order their perfect, individualized, personalized, especially created, served at right the, just the right temperature and just the right size of cup drink. I must sound pretty stupid when they ask me what I want and I say, um, well, uh, coffee. A cup of coffee. Can I get a cup of coffee? Looking around at all the Twin Cities churches, seeing them all, here and there churches of different denominations and different expressions of denominations, I cannot help but think that this quest to have things our own way has spilled over into the church. Instead of going with the full counsel of God, of hearing the word of God proclaimed to us, convicting us of sin because of our lack of faith, convicting us of righteousness through faith in Christ, convicting us of comfort with the assurance that our risen and ascended Lord is indeed living and reigning until all his enemies have been, been made a footstool for him and, and will return on the last day to judge the living and the dead. Yes, instead of seeking for and listening to and embracing the full counsel of God, our temptation is to find a prophet, a preacher, a teacher who will proclaim to us a God of our own choosing a God of our own creation, a God which looks like, well, us. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, for example, we are all in on the forgiveness which is ours through faith in him, the free forgiveness which he pours out upon all those who believe in him. And we in our shame and regret, our sadness and despair, thrilled to hear that our sins are forgiven daily, that we live by the grace of God daily, that we live in the love of God daily. But then when we're challenged, we're prodded, we're pushed by the Holy Spirit to take a step out, a step out of our habits, a step out of our customs, our way of life, to embrace a life more like our Savior Jesus, a life more of service, a life more of love, a life more of hope, then, well, we falter, we hesitate, we stop even. It's almost like we're at a fast theology church. And being asked what we wish to embrace spiritually, we say, well, I'll take an order of faith along with a side of forgiveness, a little bit of joy, but please hold the love and no service, no service. So the words of our Savior, which call us out. Yes, us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lawlessness. What is that about but the fact that the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts through the very Word of God, faith which then acquires the forgiveness for us one on the cross by our Savior. Yes, faith acquires the forgiveness which is ours in Christ, not so that we can continue doing that which needs to be forgiven, but so that we can branch out in service and love with courage and confidence to those around us, and in so doing become ever more and more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in His service and His love to us. Now, granted, there are those who would be all about service and love and have nothing to do with faith and forgiveness, feeling ultimately they don't need them. Equally problematic would be those who view Christianity merely as a a type of political expression within the community, within the world, a culture which should be furthered and promoted but not actually believed. It's not that Christian culture should not be furthered and promoted, but it's not the only thing that Christianity is. That is a culture to the exclusion of everything else. The first part of the book of Revelation contains a description of seven churches, of seven congregations, we could say, in what is now modern Turkey. And in the description there of those congregations, what do we find but that each and every one has their strengths and their weaknesses? Those parts of the counsel of God which they have fully understood and embraced and those which they have ignored and abandoned. That same reality exists today in every congregation of Christians around the world. Even more so, it exists in every Christian. Every single Christian. Each and every one of us is a a mixture of what we get about Christ and what we don't get, of what we've embraced in Christ and what we have kept at arm's length, of what we resonate to with Christ and what we shrink back from. Our text would merely point out that this is so. And that our our ignorance and fear and even shame should not prevent us from embracing in faith our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all that He is and all that He has done and all that He continues to do within each and every one of us. So the beginning of Ephesians, the first chapter there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. That's wonderful, isn't it? This description of our life in Christ. Overwhelming, even. Did you understand it all? No. This being so, what do we do? 
to ourselves? How do we short ourselves? How do we limit ourselves by standing before the Word of God like it's some huge spiritual menu from which we can order this thing and that to our own specification and leave so much of it off our plate? Let's not do that. Let's order the entire thing. And like our grandson, when presented with that great big plate of food in that Texas restaurant, start working our way through it one piece at a time. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and a life everlasting. Amen. We rise and confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.